You got you guys see this water right here? That's in this picture. This is fresh. This is straight out of the drinking faucet from the front of camp, like the dining hall. This is clean as it gets, Tapawingo water. Okay, if you were thirsty, you could drink some. Like legit, hold on. Let's see if I can do this without I'll move this microphone. Ah, so refreshing. Okay. So it's clean water, right? I didn't want to put my mouth on it because then it'd stop being clean water. Um, this is clean water. This is, for the all intents and purposes, it's pure, okay? Um, this is as pure as it comes out of a faucet. Um, the other day when we were lost on the mountain and I was thirsty, we drank from a stream coming off the rocks, and I'm like, please, God, let this be clean enough not to kill me. Because I was thirsty, and I'm like, Bosch had filled up a cup, and I'm just like, oh. I don't want to drink from it. <laughs> but then I looked at it, and I looked in the cup. And I couldn't see anything floating in it. It was clear all the way to the bottom. I had a shiny cup. I could see. I'm like, okay. And I literally turned the whole thing up and just drank it, refilled it again, drank it some more. Because I had that thirst, and I wanted it. But this is clean. So I've, convinced, I've told you. You believe me. I drank it. I drank it in front of you. Would you drink this? Okay. Now. Would you drink it now? No. no? Okay, what if I wipe the spit out? There you go. No? Now, here's the thing. If you were thirsty enough, would you drink it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Can I? No, I don't want to mess you up. Hold on. Let's see. Now. Now, would you drink it? No. It was just a little part of my shoe. No? You can't do it? All right, let's see. What else? Hold on. Hold on. Let's see if I can get one. All right. I got, if you, you see, I got a little beard hair right there. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Now, all right, scale of one to ten, if you were thirsty enough, would you drink this? Where's your hand? No. All right, no, raise your hand if you were thirsty enough, if you would drink this. All right. Hold on. All right, now with the nose hair in it. Boss is still down for the. <laughs> all right. All right, so it's got a, a dip shoe, some spit, a nose hair, and a beard hair, and, and some shoe and some shoe flavor. You may still drink it, but let me ask you, is it as pure as it was? No. No, it's not. It's not as pure as it was. Let's see what else we can do. Oh, look, we got some stage debris right here. Um, let me find some other things. That plant's fake. That doesn't count. Um, get some carpet? No. Yep, let's get some carpet. Ugh. That's great. Anybody got anything they want to contribute? I don't want to waste your hair, but... Oh, here we go. We got... Okay.
A dead bug? Yes. Oh, it's a floater, too. That's not going to help. Sand? Okay, all right, all right. We're good. Now, ugh, it's a struggle. All right. Now, this, ew. Uh, now, I think we've reached the past the point of if I'm thirsty, I'm, I'm just gonna keep walking. Um, I don't think there. I don't think I've reached a level of thirst that I would drink this. Um, now, but bottom line, what we said before, it's not as pure as it used to be, is it? Is it anywhere near as pure as it used to be? No. Is there anybody who would drink this? No. Come on up. You gonna drink it? Go no, no, sit down. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that violates some child protection laws or something. I can't do it, man. You guys sit down. Um, all right. Nope. All right. Now. We've made the point, we, we understand, this is not as pure as it was. This is not as pure as it was when I brought it in here. This is not as pure as it was when I decided to drink from it. This is just, it's not what it was. It's, it's pretty nasty and gross. Here's the thing. Hey, we're really past the point of talking, so I'd appreciate it if you stopped. Okay, everybody got that? We cool? All right. Now... This went from being something pure, something drinkable, something that I had no problem pouring into my mouth, to now it's something I feel like I need to wash my hands just from holding it. Now, it went from that one place to the other. And listen, guys, this is us. We were created by God into a holy, perfect situation where there was no impurities in us. And once sin entered into our lives... We went from pure as a race, as a human race, not us. We were born like this. As far as purity goes, you, me, and everybody that's breathing was born impure. We were born with sin in our hearts. David actually says in Psalms that into sin he was born. We are born like it. I've witnessed little babies commit sins. Trust me, that's there. My kids have all been sinners um, right out the gate. Um, I'm pretty sure I was too. We're born with this sin, with this impurity in us. That's why tonight we're talking about holiness. Because holiness is purity. Holiness is being pure in the eyes of God. It's being pure in our conduct. It's being pure. Now here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much stuff I take out of this. It's not going to be pure again, is it? No. I could, t I could pull the bug and the sock and the other stuff out. But none of you are going to feel super comfortable about drinking this, are you? Now, if, if this was a real-life scenario, I'd boil it. Like, I'd pull all the stuff out of it and boil it, and then, yeah, I'd drink it. Uh, because that's, that's a purification process. Well, guess what, guys? That's how it is with Jesus. We're, we, were, we were created pure in God's eyes. Man sinned. We became imperfect and impure. Jesus 
by dying on the cross, putting his spirit in us, and through the process of us living as a Christ-like person and through the process of sanctification. And I know it's a big word, but that means from the moment you meet Jesus till the moment you get to heaven, you're constantly becoming more like Jesus. This is impure. It's gross. I could take all the stuff out of it and I could purify it. And then it would be relatively safe. Um, hopefully. But that's the thing with Jesus. When Jesus is in our lives, he gives us the ability to change. He gives us the ability through the Holy Spirit to grow closer to him, to live pure. We're told that there's no temptation that is like Uncle Paul pointed out. There's no temptation we can't overcome through Christ. There's nothing that come against us that ha will actually defeat us. But a lot of times, we've met Jesus, and instead of letting him purify us, we just keep throwing stuff in here. Instead of letting him completely purify our hearts and clean us and shape us and mold us into being more like Christ, Jesus pulls out one thing and we throw five things in there. He may, cure, he may heal us or deliver us or change our hearts on one sin and we throw five more in. We're not going to become holy if we keep putting things in here on purpose. If this is something we had to drink, and imagine I took the sock and the bug and everything out, and I put the in, a, I boiled it, got it clean, and as soon as I boiled it and got it drinkable, you threw more stuff in it. That's what we do with our spiritual lives. We keep choosing sin over obedience. Did we talk about that already? We talked about that back with Deuteronomy. We choose sin over obedience, and it brings what into our life? was a D word. Death and another D word. Destruction. Destruction. When we choose sin, that's what happens. That's why as a believer, we don't just accept Jesus and leave him to do all the work. Does he do everything that has to happen? Do we have to work for our salvation? No. We do not work to be saved. Do we work to get to heaven? No. But what Jesus tells us is that he calls us to be like him. God tells us, be like him, to be holy like him. And so what we need to do is make sure this. If we are a Christian, and keep in mind, I'm going to tell you this right now. You cannot be holy without Jesus. Okay? You can be as close to the world, looks as holy, but you cannot truly be holy without Jesus. And holiness is something that he actually tells us to. He commands us. This morning I read you a verse from Peter, and Peter quoted saying, Be holy because I am holy. That was actually in Leviticus 2, where God says it, Be holy because I am holy. Listen, Jesus doesn't want us just to get saved so we don't go to hell. Jesus doesn't want us just to get saved so we have an abundant life. He also wants us to be holy. How many of you have ever acted up in public with your family? Whenever I'm with my kids and I know that we're going to be somewhere, I know I'm going to be somewhere where it's going to matter how my kids behave, I give them this talk. Uh, I, recent, I was at a church before that had like space for days. And I could literally take my kids to the church building. I'd be like, go play. Just don't come in my office. 
and they knew where all the fruit snacks were in the church. They knew where all the juice pouches were. They knew where all the VeggieTales DVDs were. I didn't. I knew my older kids would be fine. They knew where to stay, and I could just let them run free. Now, my office, the office I work in now, is smaller than half this room. So when my big kids come to the office with me, if they ever have to, I sit them down, and I get the, like, on my knee, and I get eyeball to eyeball. Listen, it's important you behave today. I'm going to give you a leap pad. I'm going to give you my DS. I'm going to give you ample snacks. You're going to sit on that couch. And if I hear you, I'm going to take your DS away. Then I'm going to take your leap pad away. Then I'm going to take your snacks away. And then I'm going to eat them in front of you and watch you cry. <laughs> um, but something to that effect. But my kids know that if we're going to my office, I expect them to make every effort to behave as much as possible. Now, keep in mind, my kids are seven and five. They're going to act up. They're little girls. They're excited. They freak out over little things. And I get that they're going to make mistakes, and I give grace where that's expected. But I expect them to make that effort. Listen, you cannot make yourself holy. You cannot save yourself. You cannot make yourself righteous in God's eyes. But does Jesus want us to make every effort possible? Yes. Yes. If you're not making an effort to be holy and you're a Christian, you're disobeying God. Let that sink in. If you're not making an effort to put holiness into your life and you call yourself a Christian, you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you're not making an effort to be holy, you're already disobeying God. That's what he calls us to do, guys. He calls us to be holy. And let's be honest, a lot of us don't make an effort to be holy. We may not purposely choose to be sinful. There's a difference between being holy and not being sinful. You can be like in that middle area where or at least we think there's a middle area where I'm not really doing anything wrong, but I'm not really being holy either. We're called to be holy. Mariah, let's roll on to that some scripture. So we, Leviticus 20.26 says, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. Now, who is God talking to specifically here? What group of people? Way back. Don't hurt me. Raise your hand. Israelites? Yes. He's talking to the Israelites. He's talking to his chosen people. He says, I have set you aside to be holy. And you know what? He's telling these people to be holy before who came? Jesus. He was expecting them to be holy before the Holy Spirit dwelled in them. Guess what? You got an upgrade. You got the Holy Spirit in you. You have a one-up. You should be able to be holier than the entire Israelite nation. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You've got a better advantage than they ever had. But God still, look, you shall be holy to me. For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. And notice, he said, you will be holy to me. He's not necessarily commanding them to, but he's like, you're my people. You will be holy. I have set you apart. You are mine. Do you honestly feel like we live the lives of holiness that God calls us to. We don't. We don't. That's why we need Jesus. But we need to make that effort. We need to actually see, pursue holiness in our lives. How many of you right now, and I don't need you to tell me what it is, how many of you can point out one area of your life right now that's not holy? 
what's on your phone, what's on your computer, what comes out of your mouth, what goes into your ears. Is there something in your life that's not holy? Because, and listen, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart come the words of the mouth. What comes out of you shows what's really holy. Not necessarily just what you put in front of you, but what comes out of you is, shows what's really holy in us. So, God has set us apart to be holy. He set us aside to say, you, I want to be mine, to be set apart, to be special for me. When my wife makes dinner and I walk through the house and I see that like maybe one steak looks better than the rest or like one thing in dessert looks better than the rest, I'll like take it, put it on my little plate and I'll slide it in the microwave, shut the door. It's like, that's mine. Claimed it. <laughs> You're mine. Like before my kids get in there and pick it. Nah, that one's mine. God literally looks at us. He says, you, you're mine. I have set you aside for my purposes to be with me. But every time we choose sin, we're literally telling God, I don't want to be yours. I'm going to go back to where everything else is. Now, God doesn't deserve that. So notice, God wants you to be his, okay? That's the first thing I want you to take away from this. Holiness isn't just about good behavior, Holiness is about knowing who you belong to. You are God's, the almighty God who created heaven and earth. You belong to him, and he wants you to belong to him. Holiness is about knowing who you belong to. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to this world. You don't belong to the devil. You are God's, and he wants you to act like you belong to him. Okay, that's holiness. That's one step. Let's go to the next one, Ms. Mariah. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. We talked about salvation, and look what comes in that same sentence. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. He didn't just save us and leave it there. Hey, you're saved, and I don't care what you do next. Party on. He saved us, wait for it, and called us to a holy life. The two go together. If Jesus saved you, he's also called you to a holy life. If you think he saved you and that part of that verse is cut off for you, you're mistaken. Salvation comes with a call to be holy. Breathe that in. Think that in. Let it sink in. Salvation comes with a call to be holy. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose of grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Listen, again, I told you, you can't earn holiness. You can't earn righteousness. But because he has given us salvation, he calls us to live holy. Will you fail? Will you mess up often? But you've been called to do it. How many times have you guys been late for chapel this week? Has your, has your cabin been late for chapel? At least once. Because what happens, what lets you know it's time to come to chapel? The bell? Right? Or what, what lets you know it's time to go to lunch? The bell is the call. But guess what? Everybody doesn't show up when you're called, do you? No. Basha slept through like a couple calls for breakfast. Right? All of them. Basha slept through every call to breakfast. Every morning that bell rang and Basha slept right through it. 
I'll grab whatever Miss Roberta will let me take and I'll come sit in on her drum. But she's missed every call to breakfast. I've missed calls from my kids. They've called me on my phone and I wasn't there to answer the call. That's what a call is, guys. It's someone reaching out to us, telling us to come. But it's up to us to actually answer, to come, to respond. Salvation comes with a call to holiness. Remember that, okay? So first off, holiness deals with who you belong to. Second, salvation comes with a call to holiness, okay? We need to remember that. Let's go on, Ms. Mariah. 1 Thessalonians 3.13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all our saints. Remember that, pro- that word I told you is the process between salvation and us arriving in heaven where we become more like Jesus? What was that word? Old people, you can answer this. She's got it. She's been quiet. She's got it. She's been quiet. Sanctification. That's the process from salvation to the moment you stand before God in heaven where you become more and more like Jesus. We were called to this holiness, that call, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God the Father. Listen, one day we will all stand before God and Jesus is going to stand on our behalf But he wants our hearts as pure as possible when we get there. Is your does let me just make sure I clarify this. Is there a point where if you're a Christian, God's gonna say, Oh, your heart's not holy enough, you can't come in? Does that happen? Because who stands on our behalf? Jesus. Jesus is the one who is gonna stand before us. But does Jesus want us to come? Does Jesus want us to go before the throne? Like this, or at least with some clean, some holiness in us. He wants us, oh, you're coming before the throne? Let me get this sock out of here. You know, let me get this bug out of this water. He calls us to be holy because one day we will stand before God. And you say, well, if Jesus is going to stand on our behalf before God, what does it matter? Why do I have to be holy if Jesus is going to save me anyway? I'm not telling you this verse to scare you. But I just want you to keep this in your mind. I'm not a scary preacher. I don't like scaring people. It's not my thing. You, nobody comes closer to God by being frightened into it. Okay, that doesn't work. But I would like somebody to read Ecclesiastes 12.14 for me, please. Somebody with a Bible, Ecclesiastes 12.14. It's in the Old Testament, somewhere in the neighborhood of Psalms. All right, who's got it for me? All right, good. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. Okay. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, God will bring every deed we commit into judgment, including every secret thing, good and evil. What that means is one day we're going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. Does that account save us? No, that account doesn't save us. Does that account get us into heaven? 
Does that account kick us out of heaven? No, but one day we are going to stand before God and give an account for everything we say and do. The good stuff and the bad stuff. Now listen, if you know you're going to have to stand before God one day and give an account for what's in this picture, wouldn't you want there to be less stuff in the picture? I would want that. That's what I want. And he wants us to be able to be blameless before him. We are blameless in Jesus. But he's watching out for us. He's watching out for us. He's saying, I want you to be holy because God has called you to be more like me. Not Hector, Jesus. Clarify. Um, God has called you to be more like me. But listen, we have to make the effort. If you know there's sin in your life, cut it out. If you know that there are areas in your life you need to grow, grow. Pursue growth. Don't settle for just being okay. Don't settle for not being evil. Don't settle for not being terrible. Be holy. Because like I told you, there aren't many people I look at in my life and say, that person's holy, or that person's holy. We need to be that person. All right, next verse. Here's a prayer that the psalmist prayed. We see this. This is a prayer we should pray. If we truly want to be holy, we need God to point out the areas in our lives where we need to be less holy. Because listen, if I were to ask you to name five areas in your life that need to be holy, you could probably name them, right? Well, I guarantee God knows more than you do in your life that needs to be holy. And if you only do the things that you know, you're probably missing some big things. Because we might know the superficial things, the things that are on the surface of our lives, but sometimes there are bigger things like just an attitude of bitterness or an attitude of selfishness or an attitude of resentfulness towards our family or dissatisfaction with the people we call family in churches. There might be just things that are in our hearts that we need God to show us. And that's what it says here. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist prayed here, God, if there's something wrong, show me what it is and show me how to move away from it. If there's something wrong in my heart, show me what it is and show me what steps I need to take to get in the right place. Show me what's wrong. Show me how to fix it. I am a PC guy as far as computer goes. I've never been a Mac person. Like, um, I, and I'm literally, the only thing I've owned made by Sony in my life has been a Walkman, like 30 years ago. I've never owned a, a Sony product. I've never owned a PlayStation. I've never owned anything made by them. So when it came to I, like Mac, Apple, stuff like that, I just wasn't, it wasn't my thing. I've never owned a MacBook. I've never owned an iPod. I've never owned an iPad. Nothing. Just not my thing. Well, the church I started working with, guess what they use for everything? Macs. Everything's a Mac. They don't have PowerPoint or normal <laughs> Windows computers. And I'm just like, what are you doing? I hate all of this. And they gave me an assignment to do some promotional stuff, and they, get, they gave me a Mac. Yay, I don't want this thing. They sat it on my desk, and they say, hey, we need this promotional video done by Thursday. 
I don't even know how to turn the thing on. And so I'm sitting there in front of this Mac, and I'm like, I finally had to call one of our other pastors, and I was like, look, bro, please show me what I'm doing wrong. Please show me how to fix this. Please show me how to edit this video. Please show me what I'm doing, because I am lost. And I've learned I'm pretty decent, but now that I've been using my laptop all week with you guys for PowerPoints, I'm like, great, now I'm going to have to start all over. But I had to have somebody show me what was wrong. Listen, if you don't ask God to show you what's wrong, you might not ever see what's wrong because it's what He sees as wrong. It's the big issue, not what we see as wrong. This prayer is business, guys. This is serious. If you pray this, you better expect God to show up and actually teach you something. If you pray this, and then you reject what God shows you, is that going to help you? I challenge you, pray this prayer. But pray it if you mean it. Don't pray it just because I told you to. If you really want holiness in your life, if you really want God to show you what can be done next, ask Him to help you. Show me, God, what needs to change in my life. If you've got people you trust in your life that are Christians, sometimes ask them too. What needs to change in me? What attitudes need to change in me? What areas do you see me sinning and struggling? Sometimes I need people that are ahead of me in my faith to come up and say, Hector, here's an area you need to improve. Sometimes I have to pull people that I love and adore aside and say, hey, here's an area I see you struggling. So that they can be take those steps. Because listen, salvation comes with a call for Oh, you can do better than that. Okay, I'm going to try that again because you're all terrible right now. Salvation comes with a call for holiness. And if you aren't able to be holy on your own, God needs to show you what that looks like. All right, let's go to the next verse. All right, 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Since we have these promises, listen, Jesus has given us all sorts of promises about what our life will look like when we follow him. We're told since we have these promises, since we have a Savior who will save us, a God who won't abandon us, a Holy Spirit dwelling in us, since we have all of these things, let's cleanse ourselves from all the trash. Let's clean ourselves up. If God is doing all this work in our lives, let's clean up the junk that he doesn't have to. I'm a messy person. Straight up, full disclosure, I'm a messy person. You go in my room right now, here at camp, I'm a messy person. Somebody went in my room to get up some jelly or some gummy bears the other day. You know what the first thing they said was? Your room's nasty. You got clothes everywhere. You got paper and junk everywhere. Because I know nobody else is supposed to be in my room, so I'm not cleaning it. Ha. I'll clean it tomorrow, and it will look beautiful. Right now, I don't care. You shouldn't be in my room anyway. And that's kind of the attitude I have sometimes with my life. Well, if I know nobody's supposed to see it, why clean it up? My wife is gone a lot of the day. She teaches, and I'm gone a lot of the times too. And 
if I know my wife's not going to be home for like five hours, I'll let stuff kind of pile up. I'll let a small mountain of diapers accrue. I'll let a small structure of dishes pile up. And I'll let the house kind of get a little bit of shambles if I'm home. Usually the only way my house stays clean is if I'm gone. Like I bet this week has been the cleanest my house has been in forever. Um, But what happens is when I know my wife is about to come home, what do you think I do? Clean. Clean up. My place gets spotless real fast. But it shouldn't just be that way. We shouldn't just clean up because we know we're about to be seen. If there's something in our lives that needs to be clean, that needs to be purified, if there's something in your life you know you are holding on to that is keeping you from being holy like God called you to be holy, what should you do with it? Clean it up. Get rid of it. If there's something in your life that you know is keeping you from being holy, chuck it out the window. Get rid of it. Earlier this week, Ms. Bosch had an accident. She deleted all the music off her iPod. She was sad about it. All the music is gone off her iPod. Now listen, I don't know what was on her iPod, but honestly, sometimes couldn't we deal with doing that ourselves? If we've got some stuff in our life that just needs to be completely deleted and cleaned out. And maybe it's something in our hearts. Maybe it's things that we do online. Maybe it's the way we treat other people. Maybe it's what we put in our ears and in our minds in front of our faces and our hands. Whatever it is, if there are things in your life that are holding you back from being holy, what does God want you to do with them? Get rid of it. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Look, guys, body and spirit. Your heart, your body, everything. If there's something that is keeping your heart and life from being holy, get rid of it. I'm not expecting you to go home and be like, hey, little brother, you're keeping me defiled. You're out of my life. Or, you know, things like that. But you, you hear what I'm saying. If there's something in your life that is keeping you from being holy the way God has called you to be holy, He expects you to get rid of it. He expects you to get rid of it. Okay, this is super gross, and I didn't plan to tell you this, but it, I'm going to run with it. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, there's a guy named Sam. I went to high school with Sam. Sam happened to go to the same college as my wife when she was in college. And I hadn't seen Sam in two years. So my, my future wife said, hey, your buddy Sam lives three doors down in my dorm room. Or my apartment building, dorm room, whatever. She's like, you should go say hey. So I walk into Sam's room, and as soon as I open the door, I'm like, whoa, what's going on in here? Sam had gotten on some weird, like, mindset that he was going to keep all of his hair and toenails that he clipped off. And it was the grossest thing I literally have ever seen. I looked in the corner of his room, and there's a pile, literally up to my knees, of this stuff. And I'm like, and I hadn't seen Sam in two years, and I'm like, Sam, bro, this this has got to stop. 
literally, first thing I said, it's like, Sam, you got to get rid of this. He's like, it's an experiment. I want to see how long it'll last. I'm like, no, experiment's over, bro. I was like, I don't mean to be a rat or anything to you, but if this, if you don't deal with this, I'm going to call your mom. This is a 21-year-old guy. I hadn't seen him in like two years, but I straight walked in and threatened to call his mom. I'm like, bro, I'm going to call your mom if you don't clean this up right now. I was like, I'm going to call your mom. And I was like, and it, you know, was it my place to do that? No. But it, did it need to happen? Yes. It was so bad. And listen, when we choose to keep sin in our life, that's how we are. When we know we should get rid of it, how do you think it looks to God? When God has given us every common sense to get rid of a sin, we just keep piling around like some gross little pile of body functions in a corner. <laughs> Nobody's going to want canteen tonight. Um, but Sam kept that around. Listen, guys, that's how we are when we keep sin in our life on purpose. What does God want us to do? Cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Look what happens. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. If holiness has a beginning, what does also holiness also have? That end takes place where? Heaven. But does that mean we still need to be at the beginning when we get there? We need to make sure that we're actually becoming more and more holy. I'll say this. Whatever age you became a Christian, you should be more holy now than you were then. But most of us aren't. In fact, older Christians usually end up less holy than younger Christians. My counselors, can you agree with that? The older we get, the more sin we usually commit. The older things that usually happen, it gets harder and it becomes more struggle. We should be holier now than the day we met Jesus. Because His Spirit and His body of His life is working in us. Alright, let's get one more verse. This verse, and this is the take-home verse, this is what I want you to remember. Let's review real quick. Holiness is about who we belong to. Salvation comes with a call for If we don't know what's in our lives that needs to be holy, who should we ask? God. If we know something needs to be cleaned up, what should we do? Clean it up. And then here's our last point. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness which no one, without which no one will see the Lord. You know what that verse means? It says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Does that mean you won't get into heaven unless you're holy? No. Well, let me ask you this. What separates believers from the people in this world? The Spirit of God living in them and moving in them. If we don't show the world holiness, we're not going to be any different than them. Nobody's going to see Jesus if we're not showing Jesus. And you know what it looks like when we show Jesus? Holiness. Anybody can be charitable. Anybody can give money. Anybody can do service. At the college I've ministered at the last 10 years, there was a college organization that did more community service than any church in my entire county weren't Christians, 
weren't believers, but they did the work of the church. They served, they fed people, they fed the hungry, they clothed the poor, they did all of those things. But you know what they didn't have? Holiness. They didn't have Jesus. That's what they can serve, they can look like the church, but that holiness is what was the difference. We are called to be holy. But notice what here it says. It's to strive for holiness. You know what strive means? That you push against everything else to get something. Come here, Cody. Please. See if it's in my pocket. I don't have anything cool to give you. But, you know, I'll, I'll make sure you get home to your family. All right. All right, Cody, I want you to do this. The one thing I want you I want you to go high-five Basha. Go. High-five Basha. Push, man. Seriously, I want you to high-five Basha. I know I'm standing against you. High-five Basha. Come on, Cody. High-five Basha. Come on, Cody. High-five Basha. Come on, Cody. All right. Now, now, here's the thing. I will buy you something at Canteen, by the way. Don't I owe somebody else something at Canteen? Somebody looked up scripture. Yeah, Brittany. All right, come here, Cody. Now, was that a little harder than normally high-fiving Basha? You had to push against me, right? Okay, listen. Holiness, striving for holiness, is that kind of striving that you have to push against the entire world to live holy. Thanks, Cody. I'll have five of you. No, no fight. Okay. Give Cody better claps than that. Guys, listen. There's a reason why that says strive for peace, strive for holiness. Because if we want it, we're going to have to fight for it. If we want holiness, we're going to have to fight for it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be baby steps. You want holiness? You're going to have to push against your desires. You're going to have to push against media. You're going to have to push against the entire flow of the world we live in to be holy. Because the world doesn't produce holiness. But salvation comes with a call for holiness. That's what we have to live and that's what we have to believe. If something is good, it's worth striving for. Striving, like I said, pushing against everything else. When's the last time you honestly fought to be holy? When's the last time you pushed to be holy? Because a lot of us, we're holy if it happens by accident. If, if I accidentally be holy in something I'm already doing, then great, I'll be holy. But most of us won't strive to be holy unless something forces us to. Salvation comes with a call for holiness. And it's worth fighting for. It's worth striving for because that's what Christ expects of us. He calls us. And when he calls us, guess what he expects us to do? Answer. And when he calls us to holiness, he expects us to respond by pursuing holiness. No, we won't get there on our own. But there's a big difference between Cody just standing here and Cody pushing against me to get there. A lot of us, we're just standing here. Calling to holiness and we're just like, meh. Versus pushing with everything we've got to get there. That's what God wants us to strive 
for holiness. Uncle Paul.